All right, Eric. So in our last episode, episode 13, we ended with humility and hope and working in the gap between those two. But I have a question for you. What if we don't have any hope? How would you define hopes, first of all? It's a really good question. Um, <laughs> hope, to me, uh, and there, there's lots of different definitions that you can find. You can find definitions in the Bible. You can find definitions in the dictionary. You can find definitions in you know, belief systems. Uh, hope, for me, is the transition into belief. It's this, if I came from a space where I didn't believe anything was possible, the crack in the wall that starts to open something up to me that goes, well, maybe it is possible, that's hope. It, it, it can start very small, like, I don't know, maybe, could it, could it be, sort of like a question. And there's sort of a spectrum of hope. Uh, you know, if you go to the biblical definition, if you look up the original word, it's a joyful, confident expectation of something good. Now, that sounds pretty darn near to faith at that point, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, but how hope starts is this, could it? Is it? I don't I don't know. And like I talked about in the, the other episode about imagination, you have to let your imagination cook on these things and imagine yourself in that spot. And not just like, oh yeah, wouldn't that be nice? And in a cerebral way, you have to allow yourself to feel. That's really important. You know, there's there's different levels to how we experience the world. There's different levels to our neurology. And the deepest level they, they call and they talk about the primal brain. Uh, that's the part of our brain that's mm -hmm. really interested in, you know, eating, having sleeping. sex, you know, sleeping, <laughs> drinking water, uh, fulfilling basic desires. And that one in and of itself isn't inherently emotional. It just gives you these urges, you know, right. primal urges, kind of like you, you could think of it in some ways like the id and the Freudian, mm -hmm. you know, ego, super ego, id scenario. Uh, and that's a very deep level of our brain and it's a very physical level. You have to, it, it engages the physical body, it engages our physical faculties. And then up from there you have like the limbic system, the limbic part of the brain, the emotional part of the brain. Uh, and that's how you feel about those things. So for instance, like I've said before, you could be hungry but then that goes on long enough and your emotional part of your brain gets involved in that and how mm. you feel about that you get angry so you get hangry so you have this primal desire coupled with this emotional you know limbic system desire and then the third level is your neocortex your new brain the thinking part of your brain it's the stream of consciousness the words that go in and out of your head and you know give you a little narrative on everything that goes on in your day which some then, of us have a soundtrack. Yes, yes, exactly, right? <laughs> myself included, myself included. So you've got your primal part of your brain, your emotional part, and then you've got this, the, the part that goes, what do I think about this? Oh, well, I guess I really am hungry. I wonder if I should go get some food. And, blah, blah, blah. and it usually talks about that fast, at least inside of my head. Real imagination to change something has to engage all three levels of that, hmm. uh, that brain neural structure, platform, however you want to put it, uh, diagram that I just laid out. So it's not enough just to think something, and it's not enough just to just to feel something, but you ha if you can engage all three, thinking, feeling, 
and your body in some way in that. Uh, you can change behaviors, you can open up new possibilities, you can do a lot of different things, you can change basic core beliefs. Um, I'm getting the vision right now of Rocky and the stairs and the dun 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 He's like, yeah! yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. There is a... There's, a, there's an interesting modality that I've been studying uh, called NLP, which is Neuro Linguistic Programming um, or Neuro Linguistic Psychology. And one of the things that they're big advocates of is engaging all three levels of your, uh, your brain in that way. Um, and there's a lot of different sort of internal exercises that you can do to change behaviors, to see the world differently, to do things differently. And I, at first, was really skeptical, you know, and I was like, hey, I don't know about this, and I started working with it, and it's like, wow, this really is a powerful uh, modality for changing things, but really, it just comes back to that imagination thing you know, that, that I talked about in the previous episode, about, you know, to enter the kingdom, enter all the, the good things, and to improve your life, you have to become like a child. And children are masters of this. You know, in a way, we're all masters of it because we've spent years and years doing it as, as children. And some adults still keep that, you mm -hmm. know, to where you can imagine something, you can put yourself there, you can see yourself there and feel how you would feel there and you engage your body somehow there. Um, some simple, I'll, I'll share just a couple of the exercises. You can try them on your own if you like. Um, but these have been things that have, really helped me as far as when I have an area where I feel hopeless or I don't have a way to even start to believe that I could do something you know I I realize now it's like oh this is a a belief system inside of myself that's blocking me and I have to find a way to change that belief system and this method or mode of imagination and there's tons of different ways it's not a strict thing like you as long as you're engaging all three parts of your brain you can make up your own exercises for this. Um, but in my own time, when I'm sitting and realizing, okay, I need to change this part of my life, I need to change that part of my life, I need to do you know, X, Y, Z thing, uh, I'll do a, like a contrast exercise. I do this with uh, students, uh, oftentimes after a hard martial arts class. And I sit and breathe first and just relax my body and then start to imagine my students I'll say something from class that really didn't go well for you it felt wonky you didn't like it it was eh, it was it was off uh, you know you struggled in an area or used too much tension or you didn't breathe or you, you, know, you just got owned by the other person and you had no escape and you have to put yourself back in that scenario as though you're in a dream or in like a in a real 3d representation of that smell the smells, feel the feelings, what was it like when you were working with that person or the thing wasn't going right. And if you put yourself there and you pay attention, there's gonna be a feeling that arises somewhere in your body. Mm -hmm. you know? And that feeling, you know, it could be like in your head and your neck, it could be in your chest, it could be in your stomach, it could be in your limbs. You have to become aware of that feeling and what the qualities of that feeling are. I tell my students often, you know, is it is it hot? Is it cold? Is it sharp? Is it smooth? Is it, you know, what color was it? would it be if, it, if this feeling had a color, you know? And 
by this, you're starting to engage the feeling part of your brain and also that primal physical part that feels sharp things, smooth things, you know, all of this. You're starting to connect all three so you can identify this negative feeling. Uh, I usually start with the negative one so you can have it as a contrast point. And so it's like, what does that feel like? What does it look like? What is it, you know? Uh, and oftentimes I will engage their physical body further and say, all right, you know, now imagine this scenario that gave you this feeling playing out on a screen in front of you. And I want you to uh, take your finger, imagine it's a marker, uh, your finger, what color would that marker be? So your color's all yours. And then what you need to do is, on this screen, write the lessons that you would take away from that. You know, It's like not, don't write all the failures and oh, but you know what this feels like, you know it's a negative feeling, you know the qualities of that feeling, you experience it in all levels of your brain. Now write on that screen, you know, the lesson they take away from this while I was, you know, whatever, too much tension, too much this, too much that, uh, not enough of this, I didn't do this or I did too much of this and these are the, the things I need to need to change. I uh, wasn't in the right mind frame or whatever. And it will lay out for you, so now you're, you're engaging all parts of yourself, you're moving yourself, you're visualizing, you're feeling, all these things at the same time. And then for me, I say, okay, now grab this screen, grab the corners and just make it smaller and smaller and smaller. Once it's really small, crumple it up, that scenario, throw it away. And what's wild is, you took the lessons from it, and then you didn't allow that feeling to stay with you anymore. You know, that's kind of the visualization of it. And it might sound goofy, but if you do something like that with a negative situation or something that you didn't feel good about, or even a belief like I can't get to X Y Z thing, I see myself failing at this, and you allow yourself to shrink it and throw it away, you'd be surprised, but it actually changes the way that you feel. I, I highly recommend just giving it a try. And then you do the positive side as well. I do this with my students a lot. Of what went right in the class? You know, what is something, a moment that you felt, ooh, I worked really well then, all the cylinders were firing, I felt successful, I felt confident, I felt good, even if it was only for a couple of seconds. You know, and imagine that. Where does that bring a feeling into your body? What, is it, what are the qualities of that feeling? Identify that feeling, get used to that feeling. And for that, oftentimes I'll have them do something like, you know, again, write, write the qualities of that feeling on the screen as you're, as you're watching the scenario play out in front of you, things that you want to embody more of. And then you want to make that screen bigger. You know? uh, another way that I'll do it is you feel where that feeling is. Maybe it's in your chest. It's a good feeling. It's this feeling of success, a feeling of getting it right. And then on every inhale, you pump that feeling up and make it bigger and expand it into your body. Um, in all these ways, you're engaging all three levels and you're saying, okay, here's the feeling I'm not going for. I'm making that smaller. I'm taking the lessons from it. I'm throwing that away. And then here's what I'm aiming at. I'm going to make that bigger. I'm going to amplify that. I'm going to magnify that and aim towards it. Um, you can do this, you know, bringing it back to like a weight loss goal or something like that. You have to start with the feeling of, if you, if you can't even allow yourself to have hope, you, you have to at least use your imagination. You 
I was like, okay, I'll play the stupid game. I'll, yeah. you know, I'll sit down for a little bit and imagine my I'm little... Gonna, you know, I'm going to crumple some yeah, paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to imagine my perfect <laughs> low life or whatever. Uh, but just to to set, even like, you know, like we talked about small goals, like, okay, if I need to lose 200 pounds, what would it feel like if I lost 20 pounds? Yeah. You know, just 20 pounds. How would I feel about that? And to give yourself a chance to sit down, breathe, and, and imagine, okay, 20 pounds lighter, I have to do some hard work to get there, but what does that feel like? What does that feeling of success feel like in that way in my mm-hmm. body? And to amplify that and to to focus on the qualities of that, just by doing that little internal exercise, you'd be surprised, but it's like it cracks the door open mm-hmm. and your, your brain stops using the same loops, the same neural loops mm-hmm. that it's always been using. And... It might just crack the door open just a little bit. Just a little bit of light comes in there. Uh, but doing that, especially over time, uh, bringing yourself back to it. I've had multiple things in my life that I've worked to change in this way. And I'm living the results of them now. I'm living uh, the improved mental state and physical state and all those things. From just allowing myself to imagine. You know, mm-hmm. And sometimes that sounds it's dumb. So but no, it's <laughs> not. Because I'll tell you... Something that happened to me last year, um, I went through some, um, the e-boxing here and just really tried to hone in on what the heck is wrong with me. And through prayer and through people and through realizing, I stopped dreaming. I had lost hope and I went into... I just went with where life would take me rather than stand and try to hold my own and, and say, actually, this is the direction I'm going. Rather than this is the direction that life is taking me, I actually started to dream again. And I think, you know, not to be over dramatic and be a four on the Enneagram, which I am, but it's like, do you know what the Enneagram is? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what are you? What number are you? I, it's been a while since I... I... You're nine. You're all of them. The nine is all of yeah, them. Possibly. I don't think I know what the Enneagram is. I can't say I've ever taken it. Okay, well, I, I you need to take I, it. I, as far as my, I am an INFJ. If that matters. I am too. Are you? This is why wow. we get along. Yeah, I mean, and Felicia is yes, too. Yeah. yeah. So, um, okay. So I stopped dreaming, and when I actually allowed myself to take off the crap. And, and, and allow myself to, you know, and we're going to get a little bit touchy-feely here, is that I think when some, of us, when some of us have experienced trauma in our life or, you know, everyone has had stuff happen to them or whatever, but somehow we've learned to the inner child. We've locked him or her away. We've told her she's a bad girl or he's a bad little boy. And, you know, you go sit in your room and you stay there. And, and don't have fun in your room. You can't play. You can't watch MTV. You can't, you know, whatever. You have to stay there and think about what you did. And and we don't let them out. And we don't play. And we don't dream. And we don't imagine. And we don't do things just for the joy of it. We lose the abundant life that we're supposed to be living here. And for me, when I actually allowed myself to dream and not live in fear... And not think that, you know, because paralysis by analysis, I, I can go into a spiral if 
if you're like, hey, you should spiral, I can do it. <laughs> like, I win at it too, right? So I just think that the hope and the dreaming to actually be able to step out and make a change in your life, it comes back to the point of, do you actually know that you're worthy of change? Do you do you actually know that you are lovable where you're at? But that doesn't mean that you have to stay there. And really what I've learned in this whole weight loss or freedom living or whatever it is you want to call it, it's learning how to parent yourself or be the parent that you always needed to have when you were a child. And instead of locking that inner child away, actually picking her up, picking him up and embracing that inner child and, and holding her hand as, as you walk this life out. Because, you know, I have three daughters and one of them is very, you know, I want to color and be alone. She's very much like me where she'd rather do a puzzle like than play outside, right? But my other two are constantly playing. They're constantly in imagination. And it's even like, get ready for school stop playing you know (laughs) but I want to nurture that because when they get to be my age and whatever this world is going to look like at that point if they can still be able to go somewhere and play and dream and hope and imagine and and stay connected to that part of them I think that's where the abundant life is is it isn't the new phone or the big boat or or the biggest you know house on the lake it isn't it isn't the stuff we think it is it's the opposite and when we can actually tap into this is who I am I accept who I am but there are some changes in my life that I should change and rather than condemning myself for where I'm at what is the next step that I can take to get to where I want to be? Yeah. And imagination, going back to that, if you think about it, imagination is one of the most, if not the most powerful tool that we have. Like everything that exists in this world, this desk, this microphone, that book, existed in somebody as an imagination. It, it was there first before it became a tangible thing. You know, uh, same even if you believe you know god created the universe all that we see existed as an imagination inside of him before it was brought into existence Mm -hmm. like to me that's such a powerful thing to be able to see something inside as the first step you know whether or not you believe it could happen or not but that's the first step towards moving towards it You, you know we're very goal oriented creatures we if we see a goal, it's a clear goal, and we can aim at it, more often than not, we can hit it, you know. And the first thing is, though, you have to see the goal. You know, what is it that I'm aiming for? And to be able to outline that goal and not just have it as words, not just have it as your, you know, neocortex stream of consciousness, but to say, this is what it would be like, and to be able to put yourself in that place, that's powerful. That's where you start to truly get the giant wheels turning towards manifesting at it as a reality mm-hmm. um, but if you can't see it inside in some way it, you don't have a goal that you're shooting at you know 
Mm-hmm. And that's if you don't have a goal that you're shooting at, you're kind of shooting wanton, and every once in a while you, you might hit something, but more often than not you just miss, and that mm-hmm. becomes frustrating. To where if you can take a sober estimation of where you're at and be able to say, yeah, that's where I'm at, proud of it or not, this is it, you know, and then say, where would I want to be? If I could change this and move from here, how would I do it? You know, what, 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 would it, what would it look like even just have a little bit of change? If you can't allow yourself to imagine that and to experience that on an internal level, you can't manifest it on an external level, yeah. you know, and that's really the, the crux of internal work in general, mm-hmm. you know, my instructor put out a good quote recently. I don't know if it was just somebody actually put it out. It was something he said at a seminar. He says all these nonchalant things that are very profound, but mm-hmm. he said that your, your strongest and most difficult enemy is fighting with yourself because you have the same skill level. <laughs> you know, like you're, you're, you're the same. You're, you have the same amount of strength and the same. So it's like you're fighting your your equal in some ways, and you ha- you have to figure out how to overcome that and to... Imagination is one of the biggest tools for that. And imagination is, if you can imagine it, you can start to breed hope for it. And the stronger that imagination becomes inside, the stronger that neural network grows. And pretty soon it's like, it becomes a certainty. You know, like when people talk about really truly believing something and I believed in myself, I just knew I could do it, so yeah. I did it. Yeah. Oftentimes that doesn't just come overnight. You know, That right. comes from a, a series of trials and changing how they see themselves over time and then they just get to a spot where it's like no I Absolutely. I can do this yeah. and I have this assuredness inside of myself that I can do this if I put myself right. out there. But also even um what is that that phrase out there that it keeps sticking to me and I'm still trying to to put my brain around it which is high intention low attachment. Mm-hmm. Because there's so many times that we will we will go through the imagination, we'll go through the dreaming, we'll do all the things, and then we may not accomplish it, and our whole identity, our whole self-worth, our whole self is shot. So what about putting yourself so much so into something and the achievement of that something, but not losing yourself in that? How do you stand on the goal but not make it everything that you are that's the most important part is realistic goals okay you know that's again like i can get if if it's my goal to become an nba player that's a very big (laughs) grandiose goal especially at 36 (laughs) right i could consume my entire life in that goal and never reach it i could become much better at basketball but maybe a good first goal, you know, I can have this sort of ultimate end goal of like, I would like to be in the NBA, but I need to first imagine what it would be like to start playing basketball again. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's like, a, what, what does that look like? How many times a week do I want to practice? How many, you know, what, where am I going to practice? Who am I going to practice with? Uh, am I going to do it on my own? Do I need to slip a, a basketball, you know, backboard for myself somewhere? Uh, all of those little practical things are the first goal that I really have to focus on. You know, that whole, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time mm. on a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. It's good to have a long-term goal, but you can't get so consumed by that that you miss the short-term steps. Mm. You know, And some people do that. Uh, there's a lot of, 
a lot of things out there. If you just focus on your big giant goal long enough, it'll just magically manifest, right. you know. And yeah. like, name it and claim it. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. It, there's even a movie. Uh, I like the movie. Like some of the concepts in it are great. It's called The Secret, and it talks a lot about that. And part of the magic in the recipe is this four-letter word called work. You know, Amen. It really is. Come it, on. It's, uh, that, and that's super important uh, because if I want to get good at anything, I can see myself and imagine myself good at that, and I can do all of that, and that's really what gives me the hope and starts to aim me towards, orient me towards getting there. But I can't just stay there in imagination about it. Right. You know, I can. I need to see the long term goal, and then I need to say, okay, what. What would I have to do to start moving in that direction? Right. And that always involves discipline and work. Yes. Always. Like, yes. You, you have to, you know, if I wanted to become mm-hmm. a doctor, I can't just go, oh, I see myself as a doctor. I see myself helping people. And I see myself, you know, figuring out a cure for a disease, this, that, and the other. And just stay in that imagination because it, it won't get me any closer to my goal. It orients me in the direction of my goal, but it won't move me in the direction of my goal. Uh, what starts to move me as I'm imagining that and I have that fire that starts to build in me and that desire to start to get there is to start to open myself up to and look for opportunities for the next bit of work that I have to do. Yes. You know, and it's always something that's like, yeah. yeah. And that work will take me to the next spot and the next spot and to not just to work but to be disciplined in that work, meaning that I'm consistent with it. Uh, a lot of people hate the word discipline because they think it has to do more with like uh, punishment. punishment. Yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, you're going to be disciplined. Discipline just has to do with maintaining yourself over time. It's a, it's more of a consistency. And a know? teaching. Too. And a teaching, yeah. It's like if I'm going to be disciplined in my workouts, it doesn't mean that I'm punishing myself by workouts. Right. It means that I'm going to be consistent in my workouts even when it's difficult. Right. You know, And that's a very different thing you know I'm gonna whatever these amount of days some days I'm gonna like it some days I'm not going to some days I'll be indifferent about it but I'm disciplined to doing it you know I'm I'm gonna be keep myself consistent in it and it starts with small disciplines when you're reaching towards a goal you know if I wanted to become a doctor I probably should start to get some education on that so where do I start with that you know well that might involve doing some research as to where to start what do I need to learn first do I need to go to a school which school and all of those steps won't take place on their own. It takes some discipline to like, tonight I'm gonna to sit down and I'm gonna research all the things that I would need to to do to start becoming a doctor, and then I'm gonna start working on those, you know? And there's always gonna be a next step. Um, that's, that's the part that's missing in a lot of the, I guess, more esoteric ideas about how to manifest something in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's like it almost feels like if you just believe it hard enough or imagine it hard enough, it will just yeah. It's like oh, it will just magically happen, and all of a sudden you know somebody will come out of nowhere and just give you a million bucks, right? Uh, or give you whatever a, a doctorate and magically you know endow you with all the knowledge about how to be a doctor. It's it doesn't work that way. Uh, the imagination, you know, like this microphone that we're using for example, somebody imagined inside of themselves that they could turn sound into a some sort of a format that could be replayed a wave yeah it could be replayed and they had to imagine that and then they had to start doing the work the research to get there yeah it's so funny about how work is 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 the it's the magic 
in in the bowl that makes everything come together. Um, I had this big goal when I was going to turn 40 that I was going to run a full Ironman, you know, do 140 when I turn 40. And I know that um, within myself, I have to set smaller goals between there. So this year, when I turned 39, I'm signed up for a half Ironman in Madison. So I got the bike, I got the swim gear, you know, I got new running shoes and maybe some extra chafe bomb. And, you know, I got to work, right? And I wrote my training plan and and, and I'm going to be ready for this, right? So in just the base training, to get to the base training, to get to the build, to get to the peak, to get to the race, I couldn't even keep up with my training. I mean, I learned a lot in how to swim and I learned a lot in bricks and I learned a lot in strength and all of this. But I also learned that I don't actually need to do this. Mm. What I've already accomplished is enough. I can put this big goal out in front of me and I can do this great big huge thing, but it doesn't make me a better person. It doesn't make me more lovable. It doesn't make me more worthy of love. What it was actually doing to me working towards this goal was making me miserable. And I had completely lost my joy in my life. I was coming out sideways at my kids. I was exhausted. And, you know, I live by the thing that you can, it's okay to fail, but it's not okay to quit. Yeah. And I'll be the first person to say right now, I quit. Yeah. I sold my bike. Yeah. You know, I, I, like, I'm still running and everything, and I'm still swimming for cross training and lifting, but crossing a finish line of an Ironman seemed great to Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And seemed like that was something that was going to prove that inner child that couldn't even run a mile, yeah. you know. But I don't need to prove anything to her anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And and there was a shift that happened in me. So I think the key word there, I just want to yeah. not to interrupt you, no, but No, you're good. The This is a lesson that I learned early on in martial arts and had to abandon some ways that I was doing things. Uh, and it's the the word prove, that one is a really powerful word, and it can be a very very destructive thing, uh, that particular energy. Uh, when I feel like I have to prove myself to anybody, or any myself or anyone else, I will do things that are outside of my best judgment. Um, and, you know, having a proving disposition as a part of your why to do anything it does it has a tendency to make you miserable mm-hmm. uh, I, I remembered one of the things in Sistema uh, Sistema striking is very different um, and we practice how to give and receive strikes regularly as part of that way to be in the present and to deal with chaos and discomfort and to uh, not engage the sympathetic nervous system so often and I remember I wanted to get good at striking. Uh, I had worked with people who were very good at striking and they could hit and hit so deep inside it felt like they were you know, resonating my bones and you know, touching my soul with their freaking strike. It was, and it's like, man, I wanted to get to that. But somewhere along the way, I interweaved so that I can prove to other people that I'm good at this or so that I can prove to myself that I'm good at this. 
and it became more about proving it and sort of placating the people around me and rather than just gaining a skill for the sake of gaining a skill because mm -hmm. I enjoy it and because I know I will improve in this particular art and my ability to, to work with other people. Long story short, uh, one time there was a guy from Montana who visited. He had done, he, I don't know, remember how we connected. It was some sort of social gathering and he started talking about how he was a black belt in karate and he was really good and all these sorts of things and somebody mentioned that I taught martial arts and then it kind of became a he wanted to turn it into a pissing contest kind yeah. of thing, you know, of like, oh, well, my martial art, this, that, and the other. And and because I had some of that proving energy inside of me, like I needed to prove to other people that my thing was better, and I needed to prove to myself so I could believe that my thing was mm -hmm. better, and, you know, this proving energy, I sort of started to play that game with him. And, you know, I was, uh, we talked about strikes and giving and receiving strikes, and he talked about how hard he could punch, and I had him, you know, I said, well, go ahead and punch, punch me, you know, the, punch my body and give it all you got. And so he punched and, you know, because of the training that we do, it wasn't that difficult to deal with. You know, it was, it was fine. Uh, and then there came this time where it's like, all right, I'm I, now, now I'll punch you just so you can see the difference. And because I had that proving energy in there, I hit him way too hard. <laughs> and it, it became a situation where he was like doubled over on the floor and you know I was just knocked the air out of him essentially and I improved it you know I could hit harder I could take strikes I could do this and I realized that improving it I had lost a potential student a potential friend I had lost opportunities to grow myself by being able to work with this person and see what they know it, he just completely shut down to me at that point and was like, don't ever do that again. I'm done mm. with this, blah, blah, blah. And it was just sort of, we, we parted ways. And it was like, all right, well, I proved it and I gained absolutely nothing by proving mm. it. Where I realized in that moment, if I ever do anything, a demonstration, whatever, out of like, I have to prove this to other people, I always end up making decisions and being behind the eight ball and all these things. It just... It, it, it doesn't work out. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the best way I can put it. So what do you I, think is the base, the root of proof? For me, uh, for myself, and it might be different for different people, but it was this doubt in myself. It was this, am I sufficient? Am I good enough? Mm -hmm. Am I, can I really do this? And it was more of a desperation. Like, mm -hmm. I, I need to do this because if I could just prove, then I'll, then I'll know, you know? And... I realized that I had to replace that energy with building energy. How do I build myself and how do I build others? And if what I'm doing isn't doing one of those two things, it's not a worthy goal. Uh, for example, if in that situation, if I would have approached that as I'm going to build, help build this guy, like he's got some strikes, how can I help, help him improve his strikes? How can I find out where he's at as far as receiving strikes and make him a little bit better by my teaching and, and lead him a little bit further. Serving. Exactly. If I can build other people and I can build myself inside of a goal, it's a worthy goal. So for mm -hmm. my for myself, even like a, you found where you were at and how you were shooting for that goal wasn't effective for you. 
and it wasn't it was building dumb. it wasn't building you and it wasn't no. building other people no. and oftentimes Selfish. if you can only sustain a goal because you have a proving energy in it then like you know I, I found once I do prove things and there's been many situations I had to they say the path is not a straight line, it's a spiral, and you keep coming back to the same lessons over and over until you learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. And that was one of those lessons for me where I, I had to prove myself, and I had to prove myself. And every time I, I would prove myself, it wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. I'd still have the same doubts. I'd still have the same, well, I, I think I proved that, but what if that was just you know a fluke? Or what if mm-hmm. that was just a this? Or could I do it again? Or you know whatever. I'm like, man, this proving energy really isn't doing anything. It's like this endless hunger where I can markedly see if I serve another person and working with them and build them, I can markedly see the improvement from when they started to when they finished and the improvement in how I was able to convey something to them and what I learned from them. And that's something I can feel way better about. You know, uh, like, yes, this, this is a worthy goal. So I, I, I'll put that out there just as a, a thought, a kind of a warning about anytime you feel you have to prove yourself to mm-hmm. other people or prove yourself to this person or that person. Some people can draw from that energy and make something from it. But I often find that even when you reach the goal with this proving thing of like the, ha, mm-hmm. proved it to you, I proved it to you, I proved it to myself, you're still not satisfied. There's, it's, it's, there's an emptiness there yeah. where if I built myself and built others throughout that whole path, you get to the end and everybody is improved. You right. know, you've engineered a tide that raises all the ships right. and you've improved yourself, you've improved the people around you and you reach the goal and everyone feels good about it. Right, you know? yeah. The older I get, the more I see that it isn't about me, it's about them. Yeah. And when I make it about me, it's so selfish and it's so self-centered and it's so the one. Mm-hmm. But when I make it about somebody else, we both get yeah. what we need. Teaching is time. one of the best ways to learn. and. I will say, you have to start in some way with it being about you, you know, because you have to love yourself, you know. Uh, You have to, you have to realize that you can't fill other people's cups if your cup is empty. You have have nothing to pour into them. Uh, And so in that way, it's sort of, I, I really like the idea of getting your own house in order, getting your own things together. And then whatever you were able to get in order, share that with somebody else. Right. You know, take on the responsibility of sharing that with other people. And I have some of my students, I'm encouraging them to teach. Like, hey, would you take this class? You know, how about you teach tonight? And, well, I don't know enough. And it's like, well, you do know some, though. Teach what you know. Right. You know, and as you do that, you build, you fill your own cup further, and you build the people around you. Yeah. And there's this that building energy you don't have to prove that you know everything about systemic you need to take what you know and you need to work to build others right and that's it in anything you know if you have anything going for you at all and you can use it to build others you'll expand your realm and you'll expand theirs well and the lie is is that i have to know it all do it all be it all Mm -hmm. so that i can step out and help it all but the fact of the matter is that the most people that i learn from are one two three steps ahead of me And they're just coming out of the season I'm coming into so that they can help me in my exactly. season. If you get so, you know, perfected into something, you're going to forget what it was to be a beginner. And you're not going to be able to help the beginners yeah. even get mediocre. Absolutely. So that I appreciate that so much that it isn't about proving. 
yeah. yourself and proving in a certain situation, but it's helping and yeah. serving rather than being yeah. selfish. And that energy will always, always get you further than it proving in a way to me is it is another manifestation of pride. You know, it's sort of yeah. like if I prove this, then I can definitively say that I'm better than X, Y, Z, you know, better than whatever the, this person or that thing or whatever. I'm it's like this way of trying to mark that you, you know, are better than something. The thing about it is, though, oftentimes when you prove it, even if it's like you, you got it done on a fluke, you know inside, like, I couldn't replicate that. You know, I I barely got that done. I don't feel good about my skill level with that, but we'll ride on the fact that, like, well, I proved it. I did it. I got my, you know, in a lot of martial arts, it's like, I got my XYZ belt or I, you know, did whatever thing. And it, it still is a skewed estimation of ourselves. Just because I can hit somebody hard does not mean that my thing is better than theirs. Just right. because I, you know, can do X, Y, Z thing doesn't automatically make me superior in some way. Right. Uh, but there's a thing I do when I run races. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, like, because I get bored. You know, you you listen to the same songs over and over again and whatever. But on a long distance race, usually anything over a half marathon, I always notice like the bicycle on the side of the road from somebody that was riding a bike and yeah. I'm like I could just pick that up and I could finish and yeah. I could ride the bike and I'd have a really good time on Strava and all that or or I have my phone on me I could totally just take a shortcut and, and you know and I'd have a really good time and I'd finish and I'd be done and I can go eat a donut and you know but the thing is is that you know in yourself whether you got a medal or what Strava says or or your race scores that will follow you the rest of your life I'm just saying yeah, yeah. you know in yourself if you cheated yourself you know if you did your best you know when you hold back I know um, I ran a couple of marathons in 2019 and the only one that I actually considered the race that I put my whole heart into was Twin Cities Marathon and I know how to hold back. I know how to pace myself. I know what that feels like. Yeah. But the last 10K, the last 6.2 miles of the race, I knew because I had to cut it under six. I had to get under six, right? That was that was the goal. And I knew at every single quarter mile or half mile, I had to check in with myself if mm. I was giving it my all. Uh. Because I know whether I cross that finish line sub six or not, yeah. if I didn't leave everything yeah. out on that course, I would have been mad at myself. Not not ashamed, but when you know you could have done better and pushed harder and you were too afraid to do it yeah. in the midst of it, you got to go do it again, yeah, right? Yes, exactly. So I just constantly checked in. I constantly checked in. Can I give more? Can I push more? Can I push harder? You know, what's going on? And I listened to my body and I checked my posture and I made sure I was up on my toes and, you know, just everything that I had learned in training. And the thing is, is that whether I had hit under six or not, the time would not have mattered. Now, yeah. For all the race officials out there, I yeah. did sub six it, yeah. and I am going for a five thirty now. But like, it didn't matter what the clock said. It didn't matter that I got a shirt and a medal. What mattered was I did my best. I left everything out there. I didn't care about the people that were like, "Oh, you're in a marathon." Yeah. 
you know, big freaking deal. Yeah. I gave it my best and I left, I put my whole heart into it. Yeah. And that's really all that matters. Yeah. And if somebody said anything about my time, sorry, don't care. Right, <laughs> you right, know? yeah. Because I was fulfilled. I was proud of myself. And I can honestly say it's probably the, f- not to be weird, but it's the first accomplishment I've ever done in my life where I was actually proud because I gave it yeah. everything that I possibly had. Yeah. That didn't mean at mile 15 I wasn't like, yeah, I could totally sit yeah. down right now. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's one thing, uh, I, I use that philosophy a lot with myself and with even in my fitness training classes. You know, Some days, you know, like I said earlier in, in the other session that we did, that I have a goal five days a week, 30 minutes, I need to be working out doing something, uh, training in some way. Uh, some days it is everything I have to get to that 30 minutes you mm-hmm. know, because of my emotional state because of whatever it's like it is a challenge to get to there and then other days I get to there and I'm like I know I'd be cutting myself short if I didn't yeah. put in another 30 or another hour yeah. you know and just keep going uh, only you can kind of estimate that internal thing and like I tell people who come to my fitness classes and oh I'm tired I'm sore I'm this or that the, you know today it's like you, you have to just be honest with where you're at. You know, if just showing up here and doing the medium version of all the exercises pushes your limits today and you can feel good about like, yeah, that was hard for me, then that's what you do yeah. and that's what you feel good about. You don't have to set the goal that every time you come in, you have to do the hardest version of all the exercises and crank out all the reps and do this. Right. It's like, where am I at today? I, I'm gonna work out for this amount of time my body feels like I need to, you know, not push it so hard, but I'm going to do something. I'm not mm-hmm. going to switch the other way and go, well, I'll just kind of stretch today and mm-hmm. do nothing, you know. It's like, no, I need to make myself work. And there's that internal zone that you have to learn to calibrate that says, oh, yeah, this is hard for me today, you know. And you get to that spot, you work it, and then you're good. And mm-hmm. the more often, the more that you can press to that zone of what's hard for you for that day, you compress that zone higher and higher, and after a while, it, you kind of just shatter it and go, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, that's just a, a thing." Totally, you know, totally. it's, it's a, a, a thing I made up in my mind. Yeah. But it's important to lay it out there, you know, like you said, like to to push yourself to whatever you perceive your limit is, and then in time, work to change what you perceive your limits are. Right, you absolutely. Know? It's like uh, you can you can do a lot more than you think you can, but yeah, it's the day to day. We really can. Yeah. Um, so when I think about the last two hours of us talking before we wrap up and I, and I want to do a fun question thing at the end, the underlying theme I thought of this was going to be ego and all that. But what I'm picking up is the underlying theme is rest. What do you think about rest? Hmm. Well, I think from a physical standpoint, rest is extremely important, but on an internal standpoint, being able to keep, what's a good way to phrase this? I, to me, rest might be the right word, it might not be the right right word. Uh, maybe more, the word that I guess because I'm, because of Sistema, because of how I do that, uh, relax. To do something, you can do something in a, a tense way or you can do something in a relaxed way. I can be active and relaxed or I can be 
know, resting and relax. And relax is more of that parasympathetic state where I'm not letting fear overwhelm me. I'm not letting things get, you know, get too big for me. Um, that has to do with an internal state, an internal uh, quality of, like we've been talking, how you deal with stress and how you deal with challenges and how you deal with a variety of things is to not allow yourself to get pushed and driven by fear and by you know, primal urges and, and all those things, but to be able to be there in the moment, see the stress, feel the stress, experience whatever the stressor is, and to, as one of my suffers, uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, instructors says, he says, you have to learn how to suffer well, mm-hmm. you know, and if you can suffer well, you can you can be relaxed inside of that suffering, and you can grow inside of that suffering, and you can transform and transmute that suffering. Um, I think generally, aiming whatever you do to be able to approach it from a more parasympathetic rather than sympathetic response. Parasympathetic, you know, a, a fully in-depth parasympathetic experience is when you're in a deep sleep. Your organs are regenerating, your body is healing itself, you're very relaxed. That's, you know, the, the extreme end and the extreme end of sympathetic is like freaked out of your mind, you're, you know, fighting, clawing, biting, trying to get out of there or yeah, running, adrenaline. you know, you lose time, there's uh, extreme adrenaline. If And of course, those are the ends, but in the middle area, if you can shift your life to approach things more from a parasympathetic state, even if it's just slightly, you know, you're, you're more approaching life from that angle, uh, you can get a lot more done. You can estimate things in a more sober way and, and view things more tactically and, and soundly and know that you're seeing things more in, in truth. Uh, I'll just finish with saying this part with saying I, I tell my students often when we're training and sparring and all these sorts of things, move because you can, you know, get out of the way of the punch or the kick because you can, not because you're afraid of it. Don't undergird that I need to do everything because I'm afraid. You know, don't, uh, you don't want to promote that inside of your inner space. You need to do it because you can. So if you have to slow it down until you can be in that spot where you're not afraid while you move and then slowly work to speed it up, that's what you have to do. You know, so I say, going along with the idea of rest or relax, do it because you can, not because you're afraid. Don't operate from an area of fear. Awesome. There's a quote that's going through my head. I think it was Young Pueblo who said it was, good choices start with a sound mind, mm. a calm mind. Yeah. So it's always good. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to have a fire round. Are you ready? Ready. So Eric yeah. Peltz, how do you redefine wellness? Mm. I redefine wellness as understanding where you are in a realistic way and setting realistic goals to move from that place. There's a lot of internal work that is required to do that. We spoke about that up until this point, but I think uh, redefining wellness is first realizing where you are and what is not as well as it should be and setting realistic goals to improve that. Nice. What are you excited about in the new year? This year, there's a lot of things that are exciting. Uh, I have a general kind of bubbling feeling of hope and fervor inside of me for some things that will be changing in my personal life. And uh, I am excited 
there's always a little bit of excitement that happens when you own a gym mm. after the New Year's. Yeah. People. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Yeah. And it, it, this year, it's kind of my goal. You know, you see it every year, but it's it's my goal as an instructor to truly make a connection with some of the new people that are coming in there, even if their why isn't a good one, and helping mm-hmm. them shift it towards a good why, uh, one that can be sustainable for them, and to to make a deeper connection and to retain more people than I have in years previous. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited for the new people I'll meet. Nice. All right, last one is, what is a big thing in your life that scares you, but you're going after it anyway? Mm. For me right now, I am uh, working to change some things in my day job. Uh, I won't go into a lot of detail about it because I'm still working working it out, but I've always had some limiting beliefs around finances for myself, and it is, it is kind of scary approaching those. And a lot of the things we talked about in this whole podcast, uh, I've been using every tool at my disposal to <laughs> address these you know, limiting beliefs that are hampering me that are that are holding me and I've passed the realm of hope and I'm kind of on the high end of hope beginning of belief that there's change going to happen and I'm already starting to see the shift and I'm already putting in the work to get things to shift and I'm excited for what's coming with that you know it's a it's going to be a big change for me but it's going to be a good one and uh, teacher's bright awesome <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining me. My first interview. If I had a different language, I'd say something about a cherry, but I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Well, I really appreciate you having me on. It was a lot of of fun. It's uh, it's fun to talk in these long format type interviews because you can really share and get into nuances and details about things, and I appreciate that. So thanks for having me on. uh, Hopefully I didn't geek out on you too much and you'll oh, want to come back and we can we can have eric pelts uh, day monthly you know no geeking at, <laughs> not, you can't geek out too much for me <laughs> cool thank you for listening to the redefine wellness podcast for more information on challenges programs how i can train you or the redefine intensive please go to redefine well Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at RedefineWell. If you want to follow me and my personal training journey with running and swimming and cycling and ultra and maybe even some recipes, I'm over at Instagram at RunLindsay. That's R-U-N-L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. Until next time, keep moving forward.